tonight. So we're going to start off today with uh, a little participation just to get us warmed up and loosened up. So uh, how many of you like geography? All right, we're doing good so far. Okay, how about, how about maps? We'll just make it simple. How, do you, how many of you like maps? Okay, a couple more. What about astronomy? Now we got a few. Okay, how about the, let's just go really. How many of you like traveling? There we go. Okay, we got a little bit better. Okay. Um, so, all that together, we're going to just start off uh, a little bit just uh, with some questions here about uh, your travels and, or at least your, your familiarity with the map or geography, right? So, how many of you have ever been to California? Okay. Quite a few. Okay, what about uh, Florida? Okay, we're doing good so far. We got those corners. Okay, what about. The great state of Washington. Yeah, go Seahawks. Yay. Like one of the few. All right. Uh, what, about, uh, what about Canada? All right. Mexico. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, so we've, got, we've, we've been all around North America, right? And, and if you've ever traveled from one corner to the other, you, you get a grasp of how big that is. All right. Growing up in Washington State, when I was two, my parents took a road trip in a camper to Florida. Thankfully, I don't remember it, and I'm sure they probably remember it well because of me. Uh, but, but North America is huge, right? We've got, we, we live on a big continent. Right, I want you to hold that thought for a minute. Uh, we're going to jump into space a little bit, All right, literally. All right, we have our solar system. All right, we have our sun, which we're fans of. Right? We spent a lot of time with it this summer. It's going to be spending less time with us here in the near future, but um, it'll come back. All right, we have our sun, and then we have all the planets orbiting around it. And I'm old school, so I still, Pluto's still there for me. All right. Okay, and, and you have that, that orbit. That's our solar system, right? It's, and, and the grasp of how big that is, um, if, if, you know, if you've ever built those models of, of how far it is from the sun just to Earth, Right, that, that the light that we see, if we go outside right now, um, how how long ago it left the sun, right? Just as we try to grasp the vastness of space, right? And then you, you multiply that out by the size of Pluto. It's, it's a huge space, okay? Much bigger than North America. We'll just we'll hold on to that thought again. And we're going to go one step further to the Milky Way, all right? The Milky Way is our galaxy. Right, this summer, there have been a few evenings where we've been outside and we, we've see, seen that, that swath of uh, stars that make up the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, and, and, and we're just one of the small stars within that galaxy, right? Well, the, the crazy thought is that the Milky Way is just one of thousands of galaxies that we know of. And by we, I'm talking about scientists who actually pay attention, not me personally. But we're just going to take their word for it. There, there's thousands of these galaxies, right? Now, we put all those things together to get a, a perspective of, of our significance, right? If we take the, the greatness, uh, and the, the, I, it's not a word, but the bigness of North America, right, of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, and if we were to say that, because we can kind of grasp that because we've, we've traveled around a little bit, we, we've got an idea of how big that is. If we were to say that the Milky Way galaxy was equal in size to North America, then our solar system, counting the orbit of Pluto around the sun, is about the size of a teacup within North America. 
And again, that's one of thousands of galaxies. And if we look at Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in Psalms it references that God measures the heavens with a span of His hand. So all of that to say, our God is big. Right? It's one of those things that for us that we go about the busyness of our day and as we gather together and worship, it's, it's good for us to remember how great our God is, how vast He is. And that's one of those things I want you, as, as we dive into God's Word today, as we go through this, uh, our time together, that, that's a thought I want in the back of your head. How great our God is. How big He is. Have you ever had one of those moments where you know you're, you're failing at something or you're, or you're not doing as well at something as you should be, right? Um, school starts for our kids this week, and it's a reminder of how uh, non-scheduled we are right now. And bedtimes are going to be a lot of fun this week, right? Or... Something, the, the gaps that we have in where we know we should be in, in how good we are doing at our job or how well we're doing at, at keeping our, our physical body in shape or in relationship. We, we often are aware of, of these gaps that we have, right? Now, have you ever had one of those moments when, you're, when you recognize and you're, you're fully aware of one of your gaps or one of your shortcomings? Where you're then asked to like help somebody else out in that exact area or teach somebody in that area or to be an expert in that area. Well, that's kind of how I feel right now with this message today. We've been going through the book of Genesis and we come to this uh, interesting story in chapter 18. And it's, a, it's something that God's been working on my heart for a little while. And then I get handed this pastor's like, here. And so as, as we uh, go through this day, today, this is really just about me and you all get to watch. So it'll be a lot of fun for you, all right? Well, I, I want to welcome you as we dive into this. And if you're new with us, I'm, I'm glad you're here. We really are glad that you're here. And, and it might be a little awkward to start off uh, our, our service and our sermon just admitting the fact that we have huge gaps. Um, But that's really who we are as a church. We're a bunch of people who have shortcomings. We're a bunch of imperfect people, broken people who have found hope in Jesus. And that's why we're all sitting in this room is because uh, we found our hope in Jesus and we're seeking to follow him. And so if you really wanted to, you could look around on either side of you and check out the people next to you and realize that they're uh, a bunch of broken people who have issues. All right. If that makes you feel awkward, you can just kind of like steal a glance um, but, but that's who we are as a church, right? From the top down, we're broken people who recognize that we have something in Jesus. And we're following Him. And that's really what we're going to do tonight. Uh, this is God's Word. We're going to dive into God's Word. We're, we're going to see who He is. He's going to show us some of, of His character. And we want to know Him because we want to follow Him because uh, this is our hope. 
And so we're going to take a look at that right now. We're going to jump into this story in Genesis 18. And it's a really interesting story. We're going to see what God has to teach us. All right. And so as we get ready to do that, would you mind just taking a moment with me? Let's pray. Let's ask God to talk to us, to show us a little bit more of who he is. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, the opportunity, the privilege we have to gather and to chase after you. Now, we thank you that you love us in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our mistakes and our flaws. And we thank you uh, that you have rescued us, you have given us hope. And our prayer right now is that as we open up your word and as, uh, as we read about you, uh, that you would show yourself to us. God, we pray that, that, that you would reveal yourself in, in, a, in a whole new way. We have a better grasp of who you are and that, and that we would just fall more in love with you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, so we're in Genesis chapter 18. And if you have a chair Bible, we're on page 14. I will encourage you to follow along. And just as a quick reminder of what's happening here, uh, if you were here last week, we we heard about how Abraham had a a meeting with God uh, and God promised him and and renewed his promise and promised him a son. And this this story is right on the tails that that Abraham is still kind of hanging out with, with, with God and these two angels, they just ate lunch together, which is kind of a crazy thing. Uh, and, and then the angels and God get up to leave and Abraham kind of tags along with them. And we see this conversation that takes place. And we're going to start in uh, verse 16. Let's just read through uh, the end of the chapter. And it says this, Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I won't want to know. The other men turned and headed toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why, you'd be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find fifty righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord. Even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there are only forty-five righteous people. Rather than fifty, will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? 
And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way and Abraham returned to his tent. Now, this whole interaction is really kind of strange, right? Not, let, let's just get over the fact that God and Abraham are, are walking and talking with each other. But, but this whole idea that, that God is revealing His plan to Abraham, and then, and then Abraham uh, dares to discuss this plan with them. Uh, and really, that whole story that we just read is a really interesting prayer that I want to spend some time digging through. And, and, and yes, I said prayer because it, it's Abraham talking with God. Right? And if prayer is us talking with God, then this is an example of prayer that I want us to, to pay some attention to. Right? And this just isn't a run-of-the-mill prayer. Right? You know, thanks for the meal. The food was great. Keep us safe. Lord, I really, really want this. It's not one of those kind of prayers. This is a, a different kind of prayer altogether. It's, it's an act of praying for others. An act of standing in the gap. Now, see, as we look at this, uh, I, I think we first need to kind of look at, at who's talking, right? Because surely Abraham is one of those heroes of the faith, right? He's, his name is littered all throughout the Bible, uh, God talked with him often. And, and so, yeah, God can have this kind of a conversation with Abraham. But well, what about me? And the, the, the reality of it is, is that like Abraham, God chooses to be with us. He chooses to be in a relationship with us, with, in a conversation with us. Look at verse 19, chapter 18 there. It starts out when God is talking about Abraham. He says, I have singled him out. I have chosen him. He's mine. And because of that fact, that's why he started this conversation with Abraham. Ephesians 1, 4 says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. That same idea of being chosen by God, that, that that's how we're defined, is echoed again in Ephesians 2.11, in John 15.16, and in multiple other times throughout the New Testament, that this idea is we are chosen by God in the same way that He chose Abraham. Right? Abraham wasn't picked because of how great he was or his amazing potential. Right, we've already seen a couple times some of his uh, flaws and his shortcomings. Abraham was picked and chosen by God because God chose him. Because of who God is. 
And that's the same for us. Right? We're not chosen by God because of our amazing potential or the fact, simple fact of where we were born or when we were born. We were chosen by God before the creation of the world. He knew us. He chose us. And He came after us and He pursued us. That's the amazing hope that we have in God's Word. That, that's the hope that, that draws us to Christ, is that, that our security is not based on our own ability, our own self, but it's simply in the fact that God chose us. And Jesus paid it all for us. And so all of that as a reminder of this fact. We have been pursued and singled out by a holy God. And so our standing with God is just like it was with Abraham. He chose Abraham. He started a conversation with him. And he's done the same with us. Do you notice that in that, that story that uh, when the, the Abraham is kind of tag along as, as God's walking with the angels, God's kind of talking about Abraham with the angels. Saying, should I reveal to Abraham and, and kind of talking about him. And then in verse... Uh, at 20, he then turns and, and tells Abraham his plans. All right, God's talking with the angels, and then he turns and he starts speaking with Abraham. He initiates a conversation with Abraham. That's what he's done with us. Through Jesus, he's made us alive and he's begun a conversation with us. And if nothing else, that's the truth that I want you to, to, to cling to, is that the God who created everything has pursued you and knows you and wants to be in relationship with you. But the, the story gets interesting because uh, Abraham then starts to have a little conversation with God and starts to, to, to barter with God or argue with God. Right? God, the creator of everything... Talking with Abraham. And I don't know about you, but I'm not normally the kind of person who, who like gets into arguments with people, especially God. Right? At least in those at least in the way that Abraham does, right? Just like directly challenging God. I'm more of one of those people who argue by like ignoring the conversation. That's that's more my personality. Uh, not necessarily any better, but um, but Abraham does. He starts to to directly argue with God. When God's like, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah, he's like, what about? And he just keeps going and going. Right? But here's the crazy thing, right? God, creator of everything, chooses to reveal his plan to Abraham, who he chose. And Abraham has the gall to question God's plan and challenge him. Well, you know what God does? Let's, let's look at what He doesn't do, right? Oftentimes when we think of what God would do uh, is not what happens. Right? God doesn't uh, just destroy Abraham on the spot, right? There isn't like a bolt of lightning that disintegrates Abraham. He's like, how dare you question me? Right? God doesn't uh, get mad at him or angry with him. God is just patiently listens to Abraham. God isn't threatened by Abraham's questions. And He's not threatened by us when we question Him. 
And we have to remember, God invited us into this conversation. He chose to reveal uh, who He is to us. And He invites us to, to wrestle with that truth. Right? God is, is creator of everything, all-knowing, perfect God. We're not. And so understanding His perfect will isn't one of our strong points. And yet He invites us into that conversation. Because He's not threatened by us, and He really loves to spend time with us. He loves to, to know us and for us to know Him. And that's really what this is all about. That's what prayer is, is this conversation with God. And it's okay uh, to, to question God. It's okay to get angry with God or to, to, to wrestle with the fact that I don't understand why you're doing this. God loves that when we wrestle with His truth, when we ask Him. But notice that Abraham does it with humility. He never questions the the godness of God. He never questions the fact that, that God's in control. He never questions the goodness of God. He questions why. Because he doesn't understand it. And he does it with humility, recognizing his insignificance with God and daring to speak. But the important part is, is that he speaks and he has this conversation with God. Now, as we look at this, as we understand this prayer, I want to spend uh, the rest of our time looking at, at three things I think we can learn from this, this prayer that, that Abraham has with God. And the first one is this, is that, that prayer is the way that we partner with God. That sounds really weird because you have God creator of everything and we have insignificant us. And yet when God chooses us, he, in, he invites us into this conversation. And He invites us into partnering with Him through prayer. And God works through prayer in ways that we don't understand. Right? We could, it, it could simply be this, that we could plan uh, something, we could do all the work going into it, and we could go and, and have one outcome, but we could do all the same thing and spend tons of time praying about it and have a completely different outcome. And it's not something we understand fully other than God has called us to pray, to depend on Him. A a verse that we often use uh, before church is is all the serving teams, the the technical teams, the band, all gather together and praise. We often reference uh, this verse, Proverbs 21.31. The verse says, prepare the horse for battle, but the battle is the Lord's. And it's the idea that we're going to do everything in our own power to work towards success. We want uh, church every weekend to be an amazing time of worship. We want everything to flow together perfectly. And we're going to do everything in our power to do that. And yet we recognize that, that this is God's work. This, God is going to do something. We, we're, we trust that He can do something that we can never do. And so we're constantly asking Him to do that. And that's really what this idea is about. Now, I, I, a number of you know uh, my family. We, we just bought a foreclosed house this past year, and uh, it's been a lot of work. Um, but this summer, with the weather being nice, we, we've taken on the task of like trying to tame the yard. Right? It sat vacant for a while, and it was overgrown like crazy. And, and in particular, there's this big section right in front of the house that was a... a 
flower bed of sorts. It was huge, and we figured grass with four kids would be better. Uh, and so we started the process of, of tilling it all and pulling out all the, the plants and all the rocks and all the stuff and then leveling it. And, and in that process, uh, my kids joined me in helping me. And, and Toby in particular, Toby's going to be four here in a couple of weeks, and he loved helping. Right? He was helping pick up all the rocks out of there, um, helping his best to try to level it and make it smooth. And then even when I had uh, the grass seed and we're spreading the seed, um, there's these great patches of grass that are about, you know, just packed because he's dumping all the seed in one spot. But he helped with all that and then helping with water. He, he loved that process. Right? And I really enjoyed having Toby help me. We had a lot of fun working on that project together. But that, that project is, is a lot like how God works with us in prayer. Right? He invites us to join Him in the work. Right? God could probably do it a whole lot better without us. Not probably, God could do it better without our help. Uh, but He loves to spend time with us. Right? He loves to, to work with us. And just like I was uh, helping with Toby, and then when Toby would go inside, I'd fix his problem. You know, the fix the area he fixed. Right? God, that's how God works with us. He, he loves that relationship because it's all about relationship. It's not necessarily about getting the work done. It's about spending time together. Right? It's about teaching us and showing us. Right? God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to accomplish His plan. Right? He's God. He's fully capable of doing everything on His own. And yet He chooses to involve us. Because it's all about a relationship with us. Secondly, prayer helps us reflect the nature of God. The first part of that is that, that in prayer, uh, it, it gets rid of our self-righteousness. Now, if you look at that story, Abraham, if you remember back a few chapters, there's already a time where, where Abraham had to, to come in and rescue Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they've been captured and, and Abraham's the one who came in and saved the day. Right? Abraham was fully aware of what the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were like. It wasn't a, a, a news to him how bad they were. And having already saved them, I, I can imagine that in, if I were in his shoes, a part of me would have been walking with God and God says, hey, I'm heading down to Sodom and Gomorrah because I've heard how evil they are. I'm going to destroy them. And Abraham's like, awesome. Let me go grab my lawn chair and I'm going to sit down here because this is going to be a cool show. They deserve that. But that's not what Abraham does because that's not what prayer is about. It's not about our own self-righteousness. It's getting rid of that because as we spend time with God, as Abraham's talking with God and he starts out with saying, hey, there's there's 50, possibly 50 people there that are righteous and you're just going to wipe them out. And part of that conversation with, with God isn't so much as God bending to Abraham's will as Abraham recognizing uh, how desperate that situation was. And instead of having the self-righteousness of saying, yeah, those people deserve to be punished, what we see in Abraham uh, is a reflection of God's character. And we see a reflection of mercy. Because as Abraham hears uh, that these cities are going to get wiped out, uh, his heart is broken for them. 
And it's like, well, what if? What, those people, they, they need your mercy. And the reason that Abraham's able to pray that way is because he's experienced it. He has experienced the mercy of God. And we have experienced that too, right? The fact that we have been chosen by Him, the, reason that we, the, the fact that we have been picked in spite of our flaws, in spite of all the gaps that we have and our shortcomings and all of the, the baggage that we carry, God chose us. And God rescued us and God has forgiven us of all of that and made us right with Him. That, that truth, that, that understanding, the, the mercy that we have experienced, the grace that we have been given, should be the thing that, that, that draws us to pray for others. should cause us to be, when we see people uh, who are, are hurting or people who are broken or people who are in the same position we used to be, that should change our hearts. And so when we're in prayer, when we're in conversation with God, uh, God works on us. And it begins to change our character to reflect His. That's part of what it, what it means to be a follower of Christ. As we pursue Him, He's constantly changing us to reflect Him. And this is one of those ways that He does that. That's how we follow Him. The third thing is that prayer works. It's just not always in the way that we often think or hope it's going to. Because at the end of Abraham's prayer, as the end of his conversation with God, he gets to the point, he's like, if there's ten people, God's going to spare the city. Um, there weren't ten people. And yet, if you jump ahead to chapter 19, verse 29... It says, but God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. God saved Lot because of Abraham's prayer. That's not exactly what Abraham was praying. And yet it was at the heart of what Abraham was praying. And God remembered Lot's prayer, or Abraham's prayer, and rescued Lot. See, our, our, our view of God and our view of prayer is often skewed because we, we've created this view of God as if God were some sort of genie or, or cosmic vending machine. Right? He's the one I go to and I, I tell him my wants, I tell him my needs, and, and if I do it in the right way or if I, I do it with a, a good enough heart, then I'm going to get these things. And yet that's not who God is because it's not about what we get from God. The whole purpose of prayer, the whole purpose of, of this conversation that God has invited us into is, is to change who we are. It's, it's about our relationship with Him and as we spend time with Him that He's going to work on us. And God knows what's best for us, even though oftentimes it, it, it contradicts what we think or what we feel or what makes sense. Remember the, uh, the project with me and Toby as we're working on those projects. Um, he asked to help with a lot of things, and, and I said yes to a lot of them. Right? He, I let him use the cedar. Uh, he broke it, by the way. Um, and he, he, he helped with the raking. He helped picking up rocks. He also asked to use the rototiller. 
The rototiller that we're using is borrowed from a friend. It was made in, I think, the early 70s. And as far as safety goes, there is none. There's no no hood. It's just the exposed motor, exposed flywheel, and exposed tongue. He really, really wanted to use it. And I said no. And he was quite sad about that. And so even though that would have been another opportunity for me to be working with him um, because of the, the safety of not only him, but probably our house, um, I said no. And that's often the way that God is with us. No matter how much we want to, or no matter how much it seems right, or it seems like what we want, God doesn't answer prayer in that way. But it is about the relationship. Have you look with me in uh, Philippians chapter 4. That's in page uh, 901 of the Chair Bible. And these are often, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 are, are often verses that we, we mention when we're talking about prayer, uh, and, and rightly so. But some I want you to, to notice in those passages, and I, I should probably turn there too. Um, let's see how quickly I can get there. All right. Um, so verses 6 and 7 don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done then you will experience God's peace which which exceeds anything we can understand His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus Don't worry about anything. Tell God about everything. Have that conversation with Him. Talk with God. But the result of the prayer isn't God's going to give you what you need or God's going to take care of you. It's that, what's promised? It's, It's God's peace. That when we trust Him, when we, when we come to Him with our problems, when we come to Him with, with our issues, we, we don't necessarily get answers. We don't necessarily get results. But we get His peace. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be in that conversation. Because as we spend time in conversation with Him, we get to know Him. We get to understand His heart. And we get to, 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 to know Him more. And it's, that relationship grows. And that's really what He's calling us to do. The other thing you'll notice is in this whole prayer, Abraham's not asking about the things that he really wants or that he needs, but he's pleading on behalf of others. And it's an interesting prayer where he gets beyond what what he needs and he starts caring about other people. And and the big idea is we understand prayer and as we wrestle with prayer, and again, um, I'm I'm talking to you about prayer being someone who's recognized that, that I've got a lot of work to do in my own life and my own relationship with God as it comes to prayer. Uh, especially with this next thing. And that the big idea of what, what, what happens that we see in the story with Abraham is that, that God invited Abraham into a conversation about some other people. And the question for us is, who or what has God invited us into a conversation with Him about? You get that? Who or what has God invited us into a conversation with Him about? 
Just like God invited Abraham into a conversation about the fate of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. God is inviting us into conversations with Him about some of the people we know. The people in our, our neighborhoods. The people in our families. The people in our spheres of influence. Are there people that we know whose lives are headed for destruction? That God has put us in relationship with? God's probably inviting us into a conversation with Him about those people. And there are people that God has uniquely placed in our lives and in our influence, just like God had placed those people with Abraham. Specifically Lot. God had placed Abraham in there and and invited Abraham into a conversation with him. And because of that conversation, um, it says that God remembered that conversation. God remembered Abraham's plea and saved Lot. Who are those people in our lives? God has placed us in this city at this time And as a church, who are we in conversation with Him about? Who are we standing in the gap for? It says out there on the sign, Hope Church helping people connect with God. As we've been talking about Roshek, we've we've tweaked that as helping more people connect with God. That's who we want to be as a church. Who are those people... Uh, that God has placed in, in our city, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our families, who desperately need to know Him. And are we currently, are we now, uh, in a conversation with God about those people? You see, we don't want to be that, that self-righteous, lawn-chair-grabbing church ready to watch God's judgment. We can't be. We have been given an amazing gift of mercy. The the, the fact that we can't ever get past or get over the fact that God pursued us when we were enemies of Him. And He sent Jesus to the cross to rescue us. That hope, that mercy that we've received, that grace that we've been given should be the thing uh, that changes the way that we see other people. So where do we go from here? Are you still wrestling with who Jesus is? This fact that, that, that God has invited you into a conversation with Him. If you haven't figured that piece out, then I I encourage you, spend some time wrestling with that truth. Talk to somebody about it. Because it's something we can't ever say enough. Jesus has rescued us. He came uh, to earth, went to the cross to die in our place so that we could be in this relationship with Him, have this conversation with Him. And if you're not there yet, then you need to get that figured out. We love to talk with you about that. We'd love to help you with that. 
But if you have accepted that invitation and you're in a conversation with God, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the, the, the people that God has invited you to talk about? Have you, have, have you started to wrestle with God about the fate of some of the people that you know? Have you been willing to stand in the gap for them? To be praying for them? To be pleading with God for them? To, to argue with God about the people you know? Who has God put on your heart? Who is it that God is talking to you about? Too often I have ignored God's invitation to stand in the gap for others. Too often I've gotten lazy and, and forgotten or got busy with something else. And, and really it isn't a case of me forgetting these people. It's, it's, a, it's more a case of me losing perspective on the gift that I've been given. The hope that I have. Because when my focus is on that, when my focus is on the cross, then it changes the way I see other people. We want to see God change lives. We want to continue to see stories of people whose lives have been transformed because of the hope of what Jesus has done. We want to see families change. We want to see marriages change. We want to see this city change because people come to grips with who Jesus is and how He loves them. Are we willing to stand in the gap for them right now? Will you accept the invitation? Will you have a conversation with God? about whoever it is that He's laying on your heart. Will you join me in praying for those people? Uh, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members. And we're in this together. We're in this community together, which means that, that I need you guys uh, a week from now to be kind of nudging me and say, how's it going? Right? We need to be doing that for each other as we push each other on because this pursuit of Christ, this idea that we've got this hope and we want to follow Christ, isn't me on my own doing it. It's us as a community following Christ together. So let's pursue Him together. Would you stand and join me as we pray and close? Father God, we... We thank You again. And we can't say it enough. We thank You for the cross. We thank You that, that when we were uh, dead, when we were hurting, when we were broken and running from You, that You stood in the gap. That You took the punishment that we deserved. You bore the consequence for our sin. We thank You. And Jesus, we pray.
that you would continue to work in our hearts as we follow you, that we wouldn't just be complacent and thankful of where we're at, but that we would continue to chase after you. And we pray that that you would continue to work in our hearts and and that you would invite us into conversation uh, with you about some of the people that we know. And that we wouldn't just get bored of that conversation or just walk away or or, uh, self-righteously say that those people deserve what they're getting. But that our hearts would break. And that we would begin to see people the way that you see them. And we pray that you would continue to grow your church for your glory in this place. We ask this in your name. Amen.